Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nagro again with our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. As always, a heartfelt thank you to all the followers um, internationally. Uh, it's our true pleasure to be able to be a part of your lives and on your journey with um, mental health. And, uh, you know, we're, we're two people, um, although I'm doing most of the talking, uh, we're two people just trying to make a difference in a world uh, that can be very confusing, can be very ambivalent, uh, a field that is not always um, linear. Um, it's very multifaceted as individuals are multifaceted, and I'm very grateful to all the people who have reached out uh and placing you know confidence in our ability to give you some guidance again we're not treating every anyone but we're just here to educate and to guide um so today's topic i'm going to switch gears from being more uh i've done a lot of the you know disorders lately in clinical um but i want to talk today about the whole concept of optimism and Optimism is something which is missing a lot in our field. Julie's smashing mint into our drinks of water. Um, Martin Seligman did the did the work on learned helplessness, and that's been demonstrated and repeated over and over and over again. Um, so learn learn helplessness is basically no matter what I do, it, it why bother? Uh, and you see this a lot in the depressive disorders, uh, especially when people espouse symptoms of hopelessness. And those are that, that that's a scary symptom because hopelessness is a predictor of the possibility for suicidal ideations or suicide attempt. Optimism is something that I think doesn't really come across. I never, I never took a class on optimism. Uh, I don't think we were ever trained in optimism, but it's something that I find, and, I, and, I, and I'm taking this from the perspective of I've, I've mentioned this for you guys who follow the program. One of the one of the hardest things that I do uh, is not is not testing, is not coming up with the correct diagnosis. It's it, you know writing the evaluations taking a long time because I'm anal with them. Um, it's doing the feedback sessions, and that is something that uh, I've never taken lightly. And in in my my position as a neuropsychologist and diagnostician is is in testing by nature, is not designed to figure out people's strengths. And I don't remember who it was that I was talking to. It was somebody who brought up, why, why in my report doesn't it list my strengths? And I said, that's a, good, that's a great question, because that's not what the whole process is designed to do. So when I'm giving feedback to an individual or to a family with or without their child present, I take uh, a tremendous amount of, um, I don't know what the right word is, uh, care and, and compassion and empathy. Because my job is after I've given you a 50, 60, 70 page eval, the end result is that last page um, of what is, what is wrong. And, you know, psychiatric um, conditions, I think, have a different stigma 
associated to them versus uh, medical conditions because, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, um, uh, you know, acne, whatever it might be, they don't carry the same magnitude um, where people can perceive themselves as being broken or defective or imperfect. And we are all imperfect, myself included, Julie included. It's, it is, it's, it's a constant ride that we're on. Uh, and it's important that, you know, when I, when I tell people what, whatever that diagnostic picture is, I always, always, always am very conscientious about instilling a sense of hope and optimism. And I'm not, and I'm not selling, you know, um, I'm not selling a pipe dream, but I am encouraging people, you know, that the road for some, it, it, it may be very dark. It may be very difficult. It may seem that the options, the choices uh, you have or someone else has in front of you are limited and that the end result is almost unforeseeable. Um, but optimism, I think, is something. If if we can, when Martin Seligman came out with the whole concept of learned optimism, and he came out with it years after he developed the the the, the term and the whole notion of learned helplessness. That if you can learn to become helpless, it makes perfect sense that you can learn to become optimistic. And I think learning is a huge part of it. And uh, in our society, in Western society. Learning is something that a lot of us don't like to do because it requires patience. It requires time. It requires effort. It requires energy. I mean, just take the classic example of how many people, you know, the first of the year join health clubs and then they cancel their memberships maybe three months, you know, into it because it takes effort. And, you know, when I, I think when I, when I did the episode, one of the episodes on Borderline, and I said that it's not only treatable, but it's curable, I can't tell you that's when my phone started to blow up and it still blows up. And I'm glad for that. And I'm okay with that. Because I think, and I've had, I've had patients tell me that, that their therapist said uh, that whatever you have is not curable. You're going to have it the rest of your life. You're going to need to be on meds the rest of your life. And I've heard these. I don't know who these individuals are. But I'm not making this stuff up. This is what people have actually said. And, you know, are some things curable? Is schizophrenia curable? No. It's manageable. It can even be manageable, you know, in some cases without medication. Uh, Bipolarity, you know, Julie always refers to that as neurotransmission. Doesn't always require medication. Um, But... You know, there's it's, it's doing the work, but having uh, a sense of of optimism, and I and some people it's kind of hard to argue, and I and, and I and I I saw this a lot when I when I worked more in community mental health, um, where people larger organizations have. Uh, a lot of times they're hiring clinicians out of school. They have to get their hours, their first jobs before they get licensed independently. If that's the, the path they're going to, you know, route they're going to go. But I would hear the stories from patients, and I, would, you know, as I was handed new people, and I would, I would hear the stories that you're the you're the seventh person I've seen for therapy. Uh, and, and these individuals have told their story seven times, 
and they still have the same problem and they still feel the same way. And I, I, I validate that and I, I tell them I, 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 it's really hard for me to argue with that. It's really hard, um, you know, just like if you've tried, you know, dieting, you know, and then you've tried multiple diets and you, you with anything that we, we try, if we, if we constantly are bump up against failures or uh, other people or the world disappoints us, we have two. We have really have two choices. We can we can we can stay there and wallow and and get involved in uh, like self depreciation and and self loathing, or we can be grateful for the things that we do have in our lives and you know move forward. Easier said than done. I'm not. I'm not by no means discounting the the difficulties and and the pains that that everybody out there is experiencing but you know learning the concept of being of how to be optimistic and it's something that i think we all have to practice and something i need to practice being optimistic i mean my, my whole job is to figure out what's what, what's what's wrong and i can tell you that, that that sometimes julie has to correct me because i'm always looking at you know you know, you start to just you do this for a living. Your mind just starts to think a certain way that you start to analyze things. Like, no, this is going to happen. No, they better not do that. Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily advice giving, and I'm not, sometimes I'm not even even aware that I'm acting in that role as a psychologist. But I but I have to, I have to work on myself in in being more optimistic because my mind automatically goes to the different possible possible scenarios of what could not work out not not necessarily in my in my job or my clinical work uh, but just in life in general, just the choices that we're going to make. Like, Julie, don't get, don't order that thing. It's not going to work. It's this, whatever, those, those, those kind of things. Um, but, but the concept of, of, of optimism is, is one that is really not, uh, again, is not espoused by a lot of people. I, I think it's underemphasized in, in psychotherapy. Uh, because psychotherapy, you're there to help people deal with their problems. But if you 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 don't want to, see, you, you, I don't think you want to sell somebody uh, a goal that they should pursue that may be unrealistic. Okay, you're dealing with a just again, this is way out there. Um, you know, if you have a 96 year old patient, you know, don't tell them that they're going to become the president of the United States. That's that's kind of unrealistic. Um, but I think our job is, is mental health professionals. Is, is to instill a sense of optimism because there is still so much shame associated with mental health, whether that's shame from the individual, shame from the family. Uh, you see this a lot with, you know, in the United States with a, a, a younger population where we have all the gender identity issues and, and all those different kinds of um you know, and, and parents who didn't grow up with that uh, are really kind of at a loss of how to navigate that field. And, and there's there's a lot of there's still so much shame associated with mental health. Um, you know, people I, I don't see it so much like with ADHD. Um, probably one of the few I don't see it with. Uh, but I think everything else is maybe a processing speed disorder, dyslexia. I don't think is has a lot of shame. Um, but when it comes to something that has emotions or mood and it impacts the choices that you make and, and the way you think and how it impacts your life, the lives of others around you, whether that's your family, your your, your co-workers, your colleagues, uh, your friends, I think that's when it takes on a much stronger tone and uh, it, could, it could permeate. And I, I, I tell people that... Uh, you're, it's very empowering to, to 
espouse a mindset that you are never without a choice. You just simply may have limited choices at the at the juncture you are at in your life. But that doesn't mean you you don't have a choice. And and yes, the road is dark for people. And sometimes people don't always have the resources. But the human spirit is incredibly resilient. And again, I think the whole concept is learning to become optimistic. Learning to, and it even starts, you know, I did one of the episodes prior on gratitude. It's, it's, it's starting back and learning to be optimistic that, okay, the sun rose today. And... The sun will set, and it will do that throughout time and throughout the remainder of history. The world doesn't stop for our problems. Um, you know, losing both my parents, I had to wake up the, you know, the next day and learn how to live life again and, and find a sense of purpose, a sense of optimism. And I did the one episode on existential psychology and uh, where Viktor Frankl found you know, meaning in the head of a fish in, in, a, in a concentration camp. And it's like, and I look at myself, I like, do I know if I could do that? And I think what it comes down to is, unless we're in those situations, and I and I, and I think as I've as I've grown as a person, I used to think that, you know, what I would I, I would remember like my mom and my mom was amazing person in terms of just her intellect and, and her insight and we'd have these great conversations uh sometimes the you know growing up the, the, stay up all night and, and she would drink cold coffee that was hot earlier in the day and we would just talk about life and and it was i learned so much and you know her compassion and her generosity and and she she saw things she saw the good in people she saw people for all that they could be, all the potential that they have, and 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 you know she went way before her time, but but she was a, a remarkable person, and I think those traits definitely have have worked well in me. Uh, that I am definitely the advocate. Um, you know, it's probably why I like Johnny Cash so much because that's really was was, was you know. Uh, his 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 mission, you know, the man in black. He he wore the pains and and the hurts of of humanity. Uh, and, and, and he's saying a lot about that, and you know, it's 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 through my own growth and development that I've I've learned to see the world in in a different light. Uh, but learning to become optimistic is is sometimes contrary to again, like I said, how our world works because it requires patience, it requires effort, it requires time, it requires uh, sometimes money, it requires sometimes travel, and sometimes it requires sacrifice. And, you know, depending on the type of individual you are and what you were raised with and the belief systems that you had, uh, I can see why optimism can be something very difficult. And I've seen this with individuals that just take borderline personality disorder where they've been hospitalized multiple times. They've been on multiple medications. Uh, they wear their disorders like a disorder like a coat. And, you know, Julie and I were just kind of talking before uh, I, I started doing the podcast that it's really important to not over-identify with a, whatever diagnoses you have. Whatever you have, and I, and I make this very clear to people when I do the feedbacks, whatever, whatever I've written, it's something you have, it's not something you are. And there's a, there's a very it's a really important distinction to make because if you embody yourself and you define yourself by whatever perceived defect and I have the the, the DSM here and how many pages is this thing? 
947 pages of what what could possibly be wrong with an individual. This is the actual manual. I posted it on on our Instagram page. This is this whole book is filled about problems. Uh, so it, all of us have fallen to somewhere here. You read some different symptoms and stuff like that, but it's important to not over-identify uh, and, and define yourself by the disorder that you, you have. And, I, and, I, and I've worked with individuals with borderline in particular that wear it like a coat. And, and they wear it sometimes like it's like Joseph's magic technicolor dream coat that even though it's painful, it's familiar and it's comfortable. And it's scary to think what life would be like without that. And help somebody, you know, really shift from a state of, of, of being, you know, and, you know, it's important to see yourself as, as, as victors, not victims. And I, I've told people, you know, independent of what your, your, your story has been, uh, you can overcome things. You can do the work. And there, that's, that's where the optimism is. And that, I think, is really something that needs to be conveyed by by people who are doing psychotherapy uh even even people who do psychopharmacology i think that's an amazing message that you have to give this out to people with with mental health because mental health is so much tied to how we define ourselves and again that those feedback sessions i are very they're 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 still difficult as many as i've done i mean they're easy in the sense of being able to articulate it but being able to have people walk away with a sense of okay now i could put a name to it and let's come up with a plan. And sometimes that plan is one or two facets. Sometimes that plan is, you know, 10 steps where you need to go inpatient, then you need to do a partial program, then you need to get on this medication and be in therapy, this, whatever. So it, it, it's not, again, a very linear thing. But I think our notion of ourselves when, when, when we have, when there are psychological conditions, it's, it, I think it's very, it's, it's almost automatic to go to the helplessness state because I think that's what, what mental health uh because it wasn't talked about generations ago, you know, so it's hard when getting background information from uh, an older population. They didn't talk about Crazy Uncle Harry. They hit him in the closet. Grandpa wasn't an alcoholic. He just worked long hours at the factory. So mental health obviously had a lot of shame associated with it. Um, it's only now, you know, I, I'm not a fan of Dr. Phil at all, but I, I think what he was, you know, just being able to have a, a television show where people talk about it, even though I think he exploited people, but being able to talk about things and, and in a forum, I've seen a, a, a slight paradigm shift, but not to the extent where it can just be, you know, open conversation uh, without judgment. Because there is a lot of judgment if you don't understand this field. And the, and the words are thrown around all the time. You're so bipolar. You're so borderline. You're crazy. You're, nar- you're a narcissist. You're psychotic. That doesn't help anybody out. And it's not going to make anybody want to talk about their problems outside the context of a professional situation or professional relationship. And that makes the world pretty small if you only have that one hour a week or that, you know, maybe one hour twice a week. Um, but the optimism part is something that is is crucial to overcoming all 947 pages in this book, 947 pages in this book that we that we have um, to diagnose people. Julie, no, she's going to she's going to pop on. Hi, everybody. Uh, <clears throat> I of course already said thank you. I'm going to say thank you again for everyone we've spoken to and who've reached out. Um, this is a wonderful opportunity for us to help any of you who want to learn more and um, need resources or at least a direction to go 
in um, in a deeper understanding of what whether you're going through something or a family member, loved one, child, um, <clears throat> and all that. Um, I just was listening, and I knew what Corey was going to be talking about. Um, it's very important to understand that the mental health system in this country is broken. And that is not to say that we're giving up hope. Um, I think a lot of it is because we do this because the mental health system is broken. I just want to talk about it a little bit from an insider perspective, just because of the colleagues that I know and work with and have over the years, my husband included. Um, Corey has a unique skill set, so he's not technically a therapist. He's not technically a medication provider, but he does offer um, like what I think everyone needs, but there just aren't enough of him. Um, whether it's a male or female doing it, um, it, the neuropsychologists are rare. So, um, I have worked in, um, many agencies, two, two agencies specifically, but I've worked in hospitals and, uh, outpatient and also, um, partial agencies. I have worked in almost every different um, role that you can can um, work at in in the healthcare industry when it comes to mental health, and the number one thing I have to say is labeling starts with the insurance companies. Um, people are not able to bill hours without coming up with an initial diagnosis. So, for example, if I so now in my in my world, it's boutique psychiatry for me. Um, because I already have the diagnosis that gets put in um, based on neuropsych testing. So for me, I just replicate that and you know bring it into my notes and my understanding of a client that's coming my way or I'm meeting with. Otherwise, um, if I meet with clients, let's say I have seven new clients that don't have neuropsych testing, they either have a self-proclaimed issue or a diagnosis that they're bringing to me from previous experience, or they don't have any specific diagnosis. But either way, I have got to put in a diagnosis, or I'm not going to get paid. I mean, that's the, the, the insurance companies are not going to pay you without putting that diagnosis down. The problem with that is, is that, you know, over the years, you know, we have clinicians that um, come into the field, which obviously we need more of you. Um, the, the, the system is broken because it's kind of like we're doing things backwards. Um, if you, like when I worked with these agencies, very, more often than not, more often than not, it was actually very rare to see a client come to me for medication, um, uh, assistance and not have had several therapists now, several therapists. And to tell their story all over again, just like what Cora is talking about. Um, people get discouraged. In agencies, especially big agencies where the grind is, that's where the grind is. And depending on who you work with or for or whatever, whether it's for-profit, non-for-profit, if you're working for an agency, there's an expectation that you need to meet. You need to see X amount of people a day. So what that leads to, unfortunately... Um, most of them recruit people right out of 
school um, and throw them into, you know, offer them a position very early on in their career. Um, that happened with me, myself, when I became a medication provider and also when I became a therapist. Um, it can be very discouraging to patients who have, and the reason for this is the reason why people see six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve 10, 11, 12 different therapists is the burnout rate is high. Why else? What, what else would it be? It's not, it's because people in, people go into this field, I believe, because they want to help people. Problem is, is that there's not enough help. Um, people are being misdiagnosed. It's not easy to diagnose somebody in one hour. I am a med provider. I get one hour to meet with somebody. Do I always know the diagnoses by the end of that hour? No, but I have to, I have to narrow it down. So I usually will come up with something. This is just in case I don't have Corey to do the evaluation. So that part of the system's broken. Providers, medication providers, they burn out. They burn out. A lot of them crash and burn. Some of them lose their licenses. Got, you know, I mean, it, it's, uh, there are so many different reasons, or some, some of them get sick, some pass away. So what happens to those people who, I've seen this happen. People scramble, they've lost their provider, they can't not be on their medication. Oh my God, and then they start looking in the yellow pages. There are no yellow pages. They start looking online. And desperately. So that happens all the time. I think that's why I really encourage people to reach out to their primary cares. Anytime your provider, your psychiatric provider up and leaves for some reason, whether it's retirement, whether it's they moving, whether they're sick, um, always connect to your primary care immediately and just talk to them. Can you temporarily take care of my medications for me so I can stay stable while I look for another provider. I think there are a lot of people out there that don't know that this is an option. That causes a tremendous amount of panic. Um, it happens a lot. So burnout is huge. So people who get discouraged, they get discouraged for a damn good reason. However, at the same time, if you, if you can try to find that particular therapist and give them a good chance. Therapists and clients don't always click, right? Right away, right out of the gate, sometimes it's not a good fit. A lot of people I feel in clients too fire their clinicians pretty quickly because it just didn't feel right. Or, And I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying sometimes it's worth having the conversation before you lose your therapist saying, what is not working for you? Therapists are trained to deal with those kinds of questions. And I think a lot of the times we kind of not shoot ourselves in the foot, but sometimes people, eh, this doesn't feel right. And then they leave their therapist and then they're scrambling because they can't find another one. Trying to work with what you have while advocating for yourself the entire time. That is empowerment and that creates optimism. We, I believe, are trying very hard to change the world, albeit the two of us, we're nobody, but we're trying the best we can to do what we can to change the world. If you have, I've seen people who are on state insurance, Medicaid, uh, you know, uh, Medicare, uh, and also um, people who, who, who get great care, they get great care, 
You know, sometimes it all works out and they get great care. Um, they sometimes have even just as good of a chance of getting care, just like other people who have commercial insurance. They're having a hard time finding providers too. Then there's the wealthy people who don't need insurance or have insurance but can also pay out of pocket. Those are the people who, you know, maybe they have dual diagnosis, maybe they have some mood stuff going on, but also substance issues. And those are the people that go and stay in Malibu at these very fancy schmancy places where um, they can disappear for a while because they can afford to. Gotta say, I haven't seen 100% great outcomes on that end either. Um, I don't think it's really comes down to financials. I think it really comes down to don't lose hope and don't lose your optimism. Um, don't give up. Happiness for a lot of people is a choice. I've worked with so many people who are depressed, who get really, 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 really upset when people tell them, just snap out of it. People outside of a depressed person who aren't depressed, who look at a depressed person who, like, what are you depressed about? People who are depressed don't want to be depressed. It's, it's a chemical thing. If it's not a situational thing, it's definitely a chemical thing. So having said all that, I'm setting that aside. Um, where was I going to go with the last point? So coming back to optimism. Now in society, as shoddy and shitty as social media is, because social media is a huge problem and isolates a lot of people, Depending on what you look at and who you follow, you can become very empowered and reboot your optimism and your hope. I find that, and I tout these people, I don't know these people, I don't get any money from these people or any credit for this, but I'm, I don't care about that. What I care about is what I'm discovering out there. People who I find helpful and real, people who want to reach the masses who are trying to change the world by giving people hope. Don't give up. That is the message. The holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicola Perra. Again, I don't know the woman, but you know what? She's giving people a lot of hope, and she's not giving up on her audience. Um, Mel Robbins, she is a lawyer, but she's also a, uh, a, a coach, a life coach. And she's an incredible influencer, but she's very real about her own shit stuff, emotions, and her own life journey. Everybody gets discouraged. There's not a person on this planet that doesn't get discouraged unless you're Buddha. So really, just those two people, uh, Gabby Bernstein, I think she's really helpful. She's very optimistic. But I think she's a little bit more for those people who have evolved enough to really believe in manifestation and manifesting their own life. She's all about energy. And she's a true life force. Wayne Dyer, he's deceased, but he has an Instagram page. Um, Eckhart Tolle, he's amazing. Uh, Dr. Gabor, uh, he's also amazing. He really, really is uh, amazing um, when he talks about addiction and PTSD, child rearing, um, and being a parent, being a human being on the planet. Um, there's so many. Terry Real, he's an amazing, uh, well-known author. He's from uh, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm not going to, uh, who else? Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh is also deceased, but they have, he has an amazing um, uh, Instagram page. So these are things that you can check, check on. And, I, and there are more. 
But if you grab these bits and pieces, if you can go on Spotify, if you have iHeartRadio, download Excuses Be Gone by Dr. Wayne Dyer. Download, there's two. Pay attention to what I'm telling you. Um, the, 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 no, not that one. The other one. Um, yes, the power of intention, but it's the secrets to the the secrets to the power of intention. If you can get these to listen to them because yes, Wayne Dyer is spiritual. It's not about that. Both of what he does, both of those CDs are all about education, giving hope, changing your thoughts so that you think differently about things that are happening in your life. Um, It is cognitive behavioral therapy that you can use between all of your appointments that will give you hope. It will change the way you look at things. And what do we always say? If we changed, if we can change the way we look at things, the things in our life that negatively impact us, the things we look at will change. That is cognitive behavioral therapy right there. So that is my advice for this week. I want you all to have tools. I want you all to have something that you can reach for and look at. You can read the books by these people. I'm going to think about more. There's so much more out there. But pay attention to not the Kardashians, but pay attention to the people out there that are trying to make a difference in the world. People who want us to feel less neuroses. People who want us to feel okay. People who want us to have hope. People who want to normalize how we feel. People who will validate how we feel. And people who will give us tools and resources and a way in which that you can actively take part in your own life to give yourself optimism and hope. If you don't have it within you, you've got to find it from people who have it. People who understand who get it people who are in the field. This mental health system in this country is broken. I sat around a campfire last night with a bunch of my colleagues. We all talked about the same thing. All these people that I've worked with over the years, they are amazing women. I happen, they all happen to be women. They're amazing. It doesn't matter if they're, one's an administrative assistant who's going back to school to become a therapist. Um, Others are therapists, others are med providers. We all feel the same way on our side. We all feel, we've all been there at the agencies where they grind you and grind you and wear you down, but we all went into it with good intention. We only have so much in us to give. That's why we have to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of other people. Um, self-care is important for all of us. Um, and I just want you to know that, you know, we're just all human beings we all have issues. Um, we all lose. We all get off. We all get off track. We all lose perspective. We all need to regain our perspective sometimes. And if you don't have people cheerleading you on, then you got to do it yourself. And that's why I'm sharing these tools with you. Lastly, nature is everything. My thing is, and I'll encapsulate this in probably a very, very brief. One time in my life, I was a very, very sad person, and I didn't have any hope, and I didn't want to, I just didn't want to be here. I I wanted to disappear. I didn't want to, I wasn't suicidal. I just, 
I was deeply depressed and grieving and um, I, I felt very, very alone and I felt like I had nowhere to turn. And I, you know, people did show up in my life that was supposed to the way God aligned in my belief system. I believe God, you know, brings people in when they, when they close doors. But during a very, very, very dark time, which I hope will be my darkest time in my life, um, every morning the birds showed up. Birds show up. Yeah, I don't even, even if you're in the city, birds show up, right? I don't know, but I know that birds show up. No matter what storms occur, no matter how freezing it is outside, no matter what the weather is, whether it's a drought, it never fails. The birds show up and they're singing. And it's a beautiful thing to remember that, okay, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. The sun comes up, the moon comes up, the birds. Just look to nature to also comfort you um, and know that there's something bigger happening too around us and um, a lot of beautiful things that, you know, await you. And, um, and I believe that God gives us beauty for our, all of our ashes. So that is my spiritual belief. It doesn't have to be yours, but to give you some hope, um, I do believe that. And I'm living proof of that. So God bless you all. I love you very much. Thank you. And very grateful for you. And, um, thank you for teaching us so much. And thank you for, um, having the courage to reach out. Um, don't ever hesitate. And I don't know that there's a doctor on the planet that gives out his personal cell phone number um, or email, but this guy does. So um, take take it as an opportunity. Thank you, honey. Uh, I think Julie summed everything up in an amazing way. And um, I just wanted to do this episode because I, I've seen people struggle and um, the research is there. You look it up, it's called learned optimism, Martin Seligman. Um, but you know, you can go back to one of the episodes I did on resiliency. I mean, it's amazing what, what we're able to overcome. Like I said, I never thought that I would overcome the death of my father, um, which is my worst fear. I think I even told Julie that on one of our first dates, but um, optimism is not being naive, uh, and it's not uh, it's not denial. But optimism is a crucial part of your journey with mental health, whether you are someone dealing with it or you are someone who is watching a family member struggle and deal with it. Um, you know, people who've reached out with family members who don't want to be in treatment they don't want and they don't know how to help and and really what it comes down to is you can't want it more than someone else and you know julie and i are spiritual both born and raised catholic and i would always defer to bruce springsteen who i hope to meet someday that uh, once you're Catholic, there's no getting out. So I, I tell people, and, you know, I find them, the, I, what I found is the majority of people do have some sense of spirituality or spiritual component is sometimes you have to put it on the altar when you feel like you've exhausted all your options. So 
stay encouraged, stay optimistic. We are here. Uh, yes, I do give my cell phone number out, my email, and I try my best to respond to everybody. And um, uh, truly appreciate all of your support, feedback, and, and um, just love doing this. So feel free to reach out to me at through Psychology Today. You can get a hold of me uh, through Psychology Unplugged at Outlook.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram at psychology un, un, underscore unplug underscore. And you can contact me directly at 617-750-9411 East Coast Standard Time in the United States. Uh, I know there's a lot of the international people who are going to try and figure out a way to do that, either through Zoom or through FaceTime. So I will be in contact with you guys, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks.